630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. So your Canadian summary today, Erica Weeb, gold in wrestling, Andre DeGrasse, silver in 200 meters, Megan Benfito, bronze in 10-meter platform diving, Damian Warner, bronze in decathlon, 18 total medals to come one more to pass london's total will it come in women's golf women's soccer something else we shall see as the olympics in rio wind down thanks a lot for joining us it's inside sports on 6 30 chet Here's our segue to our next segment. I am pleased to welcome to the show, finally, after months of planning, well, maybe weeks, well, maybe days, it is uh, Kelsey Braid from the TSN Anchor Desk. Kelsey, you're on with Reed Wilkins. How are you doing, man? I am doing wonderful, my friend. Yeah, it's great to finally uh, connect with you on the air and uh, and have a good chat. Yeah, well, I wanted to get you on uh, because uh, as as I uh, started watching you on TSN and following you on Twitter and then reading about you, I was like, oh, my goodness, Kelsey Braid is from Marathorpe, which is yeah. nor- not far from Evansburg where I grew up. Now, I think I'm older than you. Somebody asked, would we ever have played each other? I- I'm in my 40s. You don't have to say your age, but I'm guessing I'm older than you. But I was like, is this, is this ever cool? Another guy with this small-town experience uh, slaving away in the world of media. Yeah, no, it's pretty awesome, uh, just both of our stories, me, myself, reading up on you. And um, it's, it's funny that our paths had never crossed before until until now. Uh, like, I played some of my minor hockey uh, when Marathorpe's team folded. I played my bantam hockey in Evansburg for a year uh, before I moved up to Whitecourt to play some uh, midget hockey up there. But it's pretty neat just how in such a small little area, those who know the Evansburg, Marathorpe, Whitecourt, Barhead area kind of know just how tight-knit of communities uh, that they are but the fact that we never crossed paths until until now is pretty amazing yeah so to tell me a little bit about uh i mean you just mentioned some of your minor hockey career so was yeah. that that was that the be-all and end-all for you as a kid was it all hockey or did you were you involved in other school sports uh, what was it like yeah for me it was it was hockey in the winter and then baseball in the summer uh we played uh we actually for whatever reason marathon always had a, a fairly competitive baseball team in the summertime with all the farm boys and the the, the town kids getting together on the ball diamond and playing. So I played that actually. Um, I, I finished graduating high school when I was 17, went to university for a year. And during my first summer, I was still eligible to come back and play um, some midget baseball back in Marathon. And that was our best summer ever. We made it to uh, Red Deer Provincials. We uh, had a great summer. It was, it was a great way to end my baseball career there. And then, of course, I played a little bit of intercollegiate hockey uh, at university in BC. And, and that's kind of where my my broadcasting road kind of began was in the intercollegiate sports there at Trinity Western University calling some some hockey after I stopped playing there and then I moved over into calling their 
uh, at Trinity Western, their their soccer team, their volleyball team, and it was it was really cool to see Kame uh, Schalk, who's on the uh, Team Canada beach volleyball team. He's one of the players that I called growing up. Oh, and nice. I was just licking my chops as a broadcaster and uh, and getting used to to the art of uh, play by play. But yeah, so that's 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 my road from there. But yeah, growing up in Marathorpe, it was it was baseball in the summertime, hockey in the winter, and I guess my first real thing that got me into broadcasting had to do with, with the Oilers and, and the legendary calls that, that Rod Phillips had growing up. I remember uh, when the, the Oilers would be playing out on the West Coast in L.A. and stuff like that, staying up late at night in my, in my bedroom <laughs> with the radio kind of like tucked away by the pillow so that my parents wouldn't hear me and listening to Rod and Morley uh, call the games at nighttime. So uh, Rod and Morley were kind of the guys who really fired that passion to, to get me into broadcasting at such a young age. Yeah, see, I, I I find that interesting, and and I mean, for me, I've often talked about uh, listening to John Short in the in the early '80s, mm-hmm. doing yeah. the doing his talk show and doing the the pre and post game for the Oilers. So we we both have sort of connections to things that made us uh, interested. I I didn't know, uh, I mean, I didn't seriously pursue it though till I was 23, 24. I went to Nate, even though yeah. I, I thought I always kind of thought I might, even in in junior high. What 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 about uh, what about for you? That were you, yeah, were you pretty it wasn't sure? until I was about yeah, it was about fourteen or fifteen when I really finally made up my mind and was like, okay, this is something that I could see myself doing um, and see myself never hating my job. And, <laughs> and luckily to this day, that I I still don't hate my job. I love my job. I, I'm excited to go to work uh, every single day. And when I made up my mind that I wanted to do it, then I was just kind of looking for the best route. I, I didn't have the best high school grades or anything like that, so. I know I needed to. I knew I needed to go to uh, university just to get the whole life experience of going to university before I really applied myself to getting a broadcast uh, diploma. And, and it was funny when I went to Trinity Western, which is out in uh, Langley, BC. Um, when I was there, I actually applied to go to Nate because all of my favorite anchors in, in the world went to Nate, like Perry Sokowski went to Nate, Jay Onright went to Nate, and those were the two guys that I kind of looked up to Jay Onray definitely in the latter part of my career or like in the part that I am now but Perry Solkowski uh, who worked at ITV and then worked out in CTV in uh, Vancouver those were the two guys that he was definitely that I looked up to so I wanted to go that route but the fact that I put down my BC mailing address I got an email uh, back saying we would have accepted you but we accept Alberta residents first followed by BC residents and I'm like oh my goodness so (laughs) I made a late application to get into BCIT and I got in there so uh, but there's many great people that went through BCIT, most notably like the Ryan Rashog that works for TSN and, and the Edmonton Bureau there and, and many others. So I knew I was in good hands at either school, but my dream was always to go to Nate. But BCIT, they, it did the trick. It helped me get to, to where I am now. It gave me the experience and the opportunities to, to get my foot into to broadcasting and into stations. So how long have you been at TSN now, Kelsey? Uh, two years, actually. Okay. Uh, when I, I'm, I'm out vacationing right now back in, in B.C. And when I fly back this coming Wednesday, which is the 24th, that'll be the same. I actually mapped it out, the exact same flight time that I took uh, two years ago when I left uh, Vancouver oh, to geez. go to, to TSN. So I, I didn't realize that until uh, about two and a half weeks ago when I'm like, okay, this. I, I came on the 24th of August uh, to, to Toronto, and now I'm flying back there. So, But the two years have flown right by. Like, it's... It's amazing, like, like I said, once you love your, once you love something and you have a passion for it, I mean, it, it just breezes on by, and I've loved every second of of working for TSN. It's something that I set my dream out. Once I decided I wanted to, to go to uh, get into broadcasting, once I started broadcast school, I was like, TSN is kind of where I, I want to see myself, and 
the fact that I've been able to realize that dreams, uh, dream uh, eight years from graduating uh, BCIT is pretty pretty special for me. Yeah, that's an incredible pr- progression for sure. Kelsey Braid joining us, talking about uh, he was he grew up in Marathorpe. He's now on the TSN uh, anchor desk. Do you, do you remember your, your first show at TSN? I mean, people often ask me, do you get nervous? And I say, no, I've, I've been sitting in front of a microphone for 16 years. But having yeah. said that, I got to ask you, any nerves the first show at TSN? Oh, yeah. There was probably nerves the first week, maybe week and a half shows that I did. And, and a lot of it had to do with, um, it was the summertime at TSN. So I, I remember my first show, like, who I anchored with, it was, like, too deep. I don't remember much about it other than that. But uh, for the first week, it was a solid rotation of different anchors that I was working with for the first time. So just getting to know them uh, and, and uh, before the show, uh, meeting them for the first time, and then essentially two and a half hours or three hours later getting up on a desk and, and presenting an hour long, or in that case, then I was doing, I think, two or three hours a night just because it was the summertime, all the other senior anchors were on vacation. But, yeah, there was definitely nerves for, for the first week, week and a half. And I'd say even now, when it, when it comes to, to certain events or certain shows and stuff like that, and I kind of uh, know the significance of that show, whether, uh, like, I do a lot of tennis, uh, like the Grand Slams of tennis, so the uh, men's final at Wimbledon where Milos Raonic was just competing a couple months ago, like, there was some definite nerves going into that one, but I, I think that's sort of like the, the nerves that I experienced when I played minor sports or hockey or baseball or anything competitive where uh, you get those juices flowing. And I think maybe nervous anticipation, but I'm definitely still, every once in a while, I'll get the butterflies before I go on air. All right. When you grow up in a small town in Western Canada, you have certain perceptions about Toronto. Uh, <laughs> how many are true and how many have you seen are maybe myths? <laughs> Um, you know what? It is a great city, uh, and, and I've been blessed to, to have lived in Marathorp. I lived in Edmonton for a long period of time. Uh, I've lived in Vancouver, and, and all those cities are awesome. Toronto's awesome in its own way, but, yeah, there's definitely some things where uh, they do beat their chest a little bit more. That they, I, I don't want to say they're the center of the universe because I kind of know quite a few Torontonians and people that live in Ontario, and I know they all don't think that they're the center of the universe, but there is the, there is the arrogant fan that still believes that the NHL and all the other stuff when it comes to Canadian sports kind of runs through Toronto. And I understand it does in a certain sense, in the sense that we're the media uh, center for most of, like, TSN and Sportsman and stuff like that. So I understand that perception of it, but the fact that they think that they're the center of the universe still kind of rubs me the right way. But it's kind of tough. My I have a 6-year-old, a 4-year-old, and a 3-year-old. And my 6-year-old, since we've moved there, has falling in love with the Maple Leafs, the Blue Jays, the Raptors, and Toronto FC, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, like, I don't know if they're indoctrinating them in school, at elementary school already or what, but the fact that he doesn't even understand what the NHL is, but he's already chosen his team and it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that scares me a little. Um, I hate to ask this, um, is it uh, hard to talk about the CFL with anybody? It is. It's it's, it's a funny thing. Like, I, I know, like, TSN, and Larry Tannenbaum, they purchased the, the Toronto Argonauts. And um, there is a solid, loyal, dedicated group of Argonauts fans. And um, when you speak to them, you can see that the CFL passion runs runs deep in their livelihoods and the way that they set up their weeks around games and stuff like that. But I think for what the damage has happened there over the last, I guess, decade or so, uh, like minus the Grey Cup win a couple years back, I mean, it is hard, it, but there is a loyal fan base there, and it is going to take time. Like, like they, the not that they purposely alienated, but just the situation that they were given, that they fell into, 
It didn't really allow them to build a solid fan base. But now that they're at BMO Field, I truly do think that given time and they stick with it, that they can turn it around. But, I mean, it is tough. It is tough to, to get people engaged in just normal CFL talk in the city of Toronto. A lot of them are focused just on the, the big four sports. But you will find when you're there that there are people that are interested in the CFL. And, it, and it's tough. I, I grew up in the Edmonton area. So growing up, I went to school games a couple times a summer. And you saw the passion level there. In BC, when I was there, they kind of went through a resurgence. Uh, and they had great fan bases during their time there. And then when you go to Toronto and see how that team's just struggling, you know that there's those loyal fans and, and people that want to see it succeed. But I, I think that time will come, and they'll turn it around eventually. Kelsey Braid, TSN anchor, joining us. All right, so let me end on, on this note. What does everybody mm-hmm. listening need to know about Marathorpe that maybe they don't know? It is a sweet little town. There's been a lot of stuff that, that has happened in that town. Uh, when you think of the, the fallen floor with the RCMP, uh, one of them lived with my cousin. He lived in a, a bed and breakfast that my uh, cousin's owned. Um, another one I played uh, beer hockey with, uh, one of the fallen RCMP officers. And, I mean, it, it got a bad rap for a little while just because of what had gone down there. But when you go out there in the summertime and you see people that you grew up with or even people that have moved to that region now, it's just a sweet little town. They, they want to see everyone succeed. Uh, they want everyone to know that there is more to Marathorpe than just what happened then. And, and you've seen that in the way that that little town has grown. It has fought through so many things. So I, I'm, I'm a proud Marathorpian. I love going back there whenever I get a chance. Uh, this year I'll be back, I believe, in the, uh, later on this fall. So it's, it, it's neat to, to be there and, and to be so welcomed by them every time I come back. And they may not know where I've been for the last 15 years or where I work, but it, it's still cool to, to see them on Main Street and they give you a, a good hug and they ask you generally, like, what have you been up to, not knowing where I've been for the last 15 years. And that's what I love about that town. You can go back and just kind of just hide away a little bit and, and just uh, pick up where you left off. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Well, I know we're gonna. Uh, I know we're gonna keep on touch, and I hope we can have you on the show yeah. again uh, someday. Because it was great to uh, uh, to share some of the uh, our, our similar uh, experiences growing up, Kelsey. Thanks so much for you. How can people follow you on Twitter? Yeah, they can follow me, Kelsey Braid TSN on Twitter. And um, yeah, right now I'm up in the Okanagan, so I've been posting a lot of stuff that I've been golfing lately. So yeah, <laughs> they can follow me there. Uh, I'll eventually get back to work. I think my first day back is the, the 29th when the U.S. Open starts. Uh, so I'll be on the on the anchor desk there uh, manning the ship for uh, U.S. Open coverage starting on August 29th. But, yeah, it's been a pleasure, Rita. Thank you for reaching out. It's always great to, to get back on to my old uh, airwaves in the, in the Edmonton area, and especially on 630 Chet, a station that I grew up listening to, listening to the Oilers and Eskimo games. So thank you very much. Right on, Kelsey. Enjoy the time off. That is Kelsey Bray checking in tonight. TSN anchor. Glad to have him on the show. We, we've been uh, messaging each other on Twitter, and we realized we sort of had uh, similar childhoods. And I was like, uh, man, that'd be uh, that'd be great. I mean, I look at uh, Kelsey as a uh, as a great small town success story, from Marathorpe uh, to big old Toronto working on TSN. Awesome to have it on the show. Uh, you can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. If you have somehow missed it four medals for canada today including a wrestling gold for erica weeb and andre de grasse second to usain bolt in the 200 meters this is inside sports this is 6 30 chet this is jc sheriff from your edmonton eskimos and you're listening to inside sports with reed wilkins on 6 30 chet
J.C. Sherrick, an interception in each of the Eskimos' last two games. They will be in Toronto on Saturday to play the Argos. Argos defensive back Keon Raymond, pretty interesting guy, will join us in the last half hour of the show. You know, when Keon Raymond uh, left the Calgary Stampeders in February, he wrote a uh, very emotional letter to Calgary Stampeders fans. So we will ask him uh, about that. I believe he also played in the Arena Football League. Oh, I interesting. Think, I think with a team called the Voodoo. I'll have to get to that as well. New the Orleans Voodoo. Voodoo? The New Orleans Voodoo. That's a cool name. Yeah. Like, if you beat them, they just turned you into a frog. They have, like, so shamans ever and, them. you know, dudes dressed up like Papa Shango. And they really did. I don't yeah. know who Papa Shango is, but it sounds old, like it would, old it, would, school, it, would, it would be. Old school, early 90s WWF wrestler Papa Shango. <laughs> Google, everybody Google him right now. You'll uh, see what I mean. <laughs> this Porsche to Fit Sports is presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit Action Furnace. .ca. We're also going to do a uh, quick segment on monster trucks, and after eight, after 8:30, don't call in yet. We're gonna. Where's my sheet? Here we go. Get this. We're gonna give away two tickets to the monster truck throwdown on Saturday, plus two monster truck ride-alongs. How about that? That's not bad. We'll do that after the uh, 8.30 news. That's going to be cool. You've been following this Ryan Lochte story? My goodness. He and some other uh, swimmers said they were uh, victims of a crime, but they uh, were instead uh, involved in a confrontation at a gas station bathroom. This is according to real police. Apparently, they tried to uh, break their way into a shuttered bathroom. So then they, uh, you know, they damaged the bathroom. Security guard came to investigate. Station manager demanded money to pay for the door. They handed over money and left. And then they uh, tried to say that they were robbed. Well, we'll see where this goes. My goodness. For breaking news and expert opinion, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30, Chad. So I was just talking about this Ryan Lochte situation before the break. Well, the United States Olympic Committee has put out a, a statement attributed to the USOC CEO Scott Blackman. I'll read part of it. He says, as we understand it, the four athletes, Lochte being one of them, left France House early in the morning of August 14th in a taxi headed to the Olympic Village. They stopped at a gas station to use the restroom where one of the athletes committed an act of vandalism. An argument ensued between the athletes and two armed gas station security staff who displayed their weapons, ordered the athletes from their vehicle, and demanded the athletes provide a monetary payment. Once the security officials received money from the athletes, the athletes were allowed to leave. The behavior of these athletes is not acceptable, nor does it represent the values of Team USA or the conduct of the vast majority of its members. We will further review the matter and any potential consequences for the athletes when we return to the United States. So that's from the United States Olympic Committee. Ryan Lochte, other swimmers, uh, first saying they were... Uh, uh, they were robbed. Turns out uh, they handed over money because they had uh, 
They had vandalized, it said in this statement, it says one of them vandalized the bathroom. So that's no good. That's an expensive taquito run. Um, uh, Mousy from Slave Lake says, Reed, Papa Shango and Kamala were the main reason I slept with the lights on until I was 28 years old. Yeah, they were scary dudes. How old are you now, Mousy? Maybe you just turned 20. Maybe (laughs) just turned 29 today, and tonight for the first time is going to try sleeping with the lights on. Right, right. Rob Reeves is the president of Castrol Raceway, and he joins us now on Inside Sports because they got something pretty fun coming up this weekend. Rob, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, very good, Reed. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for making time for us. All right, so you got the monster truck throwdown. Is this both Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, it is. It's uh, Saturday at uh, 7 o'clock and Sunday at 5 o'clock, or sorry, Sunday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So it's a two two-day show during the weekend here all right i got a stupid question for you and and look i I don't pretend to be an expert when i'm not if i go to a monster truck show what am i going to see well you're going to you're going to see trucks uh, do uh, racing they're going to do jumps they're going to do freestyle they're going to they're going to attempt some backflips uh it's a it's it's a big show that the kids all love and enjoy and so do the adults Uh, we've got eight trucks coming out uh some really big names and uh, we're going to be doing it outside, which is, you know, quite different than most places where it's inside the arena. We're doing it outside in the big, in, inside our oval where there's a, a huge playing field, is, you know, as big as a football field. Okay, now, so a little more room to maneuver then. A lot more and a lot more speed and, and a lot more height. Okay, so uh, now is it Bounty Hunter is going to attempt this backflip? Has it been done before? We did it. Uh, we we had one done by Iron Outlaw last year, okay. and uh, there's probably going to be a couple trucks that uh, will attempt the backflip this year. Okay, um, so it's, it's safe. Is it safe to say it's not successful every time it's attempted? Then, uh, no, no. It's about half half the time they'll get it done. I mean, uh, they've been doing these backflips for just a couple years now, and uh, they're getting better and better at it. And uh, it's a lot of weight to flip a big monster truck over backwards and landed on its uh, on its wheels so it, it, it's quite spectacular to watch it must require a lot of speed to get it going takes a lot of speed and, and a very steep incline to make that truck flip over okay uh well this is this is pretty cool stuff now we're giving away a couple tickets to saturday's show that's when it starts at seven we'll give it to uh we'll give them to caller number four at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three it includes a monster truck uh ride along so what does that mean for our lucky winners so we have a we have a ride truck um jurassic attack out there giving rides out um all day long uh during the pit party and during the show pit parties two hours before each show you can come and see the trucks and uh, and then uh, get a ride on the uh, the monster truck through. Uh, we take it around the, the, the Castro Raceway area, the motocross track and stuff like that. So it's, it's a pretty cool ride. Okay, good stuff. Uh, Rob, just give us, uh, I mean, we're halfway through August. Anything else you can tell us that's coming up at, uh, at Castro here in the weeks to come? Yeah, we've got our 61st annual Gold Cup Sprint Car Race next weekend along with the Full Throttle Street Legal, which is a big three-day street legal that we're working towards with the Edmonton City Police, and they're bringing a whole bunch of other teams from Las Vegas, Los Angeles, to race police cars at our street legal. It's a pretty cool event. And then we get our Pro Mod show coming up on the Labor Day long weekend on a drag strip, and 
And then our favorite is uh, Absolute Annihilation Night in September 17th, um, where we blow up stuff and uh, and race school buses. <laughs> we do lots of fun stuff. Okay, blow up stuff. You, you just got a lot of people even more interested than they already are. Do you remember the, uh, who was it, John Candy? Was it Candy and Levy? Blow, blow up real good, SCTV <laughs> reference. Uh, online, where can people find out more, Rob? CastleRaceway.com. Uh, you can get tickets online, uh, print an e-ticket out, or just come out to the track. There's always lots of seats available. We're never sold out out there, so uh, we got lots of grandstands. It's a big arena, so um, everyone just come on out a couple hours prior to the show, get the pit party in, and then watch the, watch the show. Right on. Rob, thanks for making time for us, because I, I know you're always very busy, and thanks for providing us with the giveaway. Do we have a winner, Kellen? We do. Congrats to Blair. Blair is the, the winner tonight. All right. Rob, thanks for joining us tonight, man. Enjoy this weekend. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. That is Rob Reeves checking in from Castrol Raceway, the Monster Truck Throwdown, Saturday at 7, Sunday at uh, 2. Cool stuff. Something a little different for you tonight on Inside Sports. You can text 630-630. Lyle texting in about the uh, Ryan Locke, the American swimmer situation. He says, RW just might have had an expensive tequila run like that in his day. Okay, first of all, Lyle, it's still my day. And it probably wouldn't be tequila. Might be craft beer. Another texter says, didn't Papa Shango run the HO train? What is that, Kellen Kennedy? Yes, later on he was known as the Godfather, and the Godfather was a um, a gimmick that was. Uh, What's big. the HO train? Well, the <laughs> or is it the Ho train? Yeah. Oh, it's the Ho train. Yeah. Is this something I shouldn't be talking about? Uh, pro- well, not for a couple more hours at least. According to CRTC. Oh, what's what's the old radio shows are on? Yeah, exactly. They got all the hoes, do yeah. they? All yeah. right. You Ke- can Google that and YouTube it and that stuff. It's all over that stuff. So Keon, uh, Keon Raymond yeah. from the Toronto Argos up next. I'm going to ask him who scares him more, Walker or Bowman, when we get back. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad. NFL preseason action tonight, Philadelphia against Pittsburgh, playing for the Eagles. Former Eskimos defensive back Aaron Grimes has an interception as he tries to crack the roster. Now, the Eskimos do not have his rights if he's cut. He would be a CFL free agent, but uh, certainly he makes an impact in the game this evening. This portion of Inside Sports... Presented by Northlands Park Racetrack and Casino. Western Canada's most important horse racing event is almost here. The Canadian Derby presented by CIBC at Northlands Park is coming up on uh, Saturday. Also on Saturday, Eskimos taking on Toronto Argos defensive back Keon Raymond on the line tonight. Keon, welcome back to Inside Sports, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, good to talk to you again. All right, I'm going to start off with a really tough question, Keon. Uh, You've been been a Canadian. You've been living in Canada for a while now, but obviously you're originally from St. Louis, Missouri. So when Canada and the United States go head-to-head in the Olympics, who are you pulling for, buddy? You know what? I uh, I always like to root for Canada, but I'm a, I'm a U.S. at heart, you know, um, because our house is divided. You know, my daughter, she's Canadian, so she's like, she is Maple Leaf die hard. She is not playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what? She she makes it hard, and I have to sometimes side with my little princess, but you know what? It's all good, you know, just to have, long, whatever it is, as long as some good competition, I'm always, you know, ready to go. Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting two-week span where I ask almost,
almost every guest this question because it's fun to talk about. Now, you're obviously very busy, you know, playing pro football and stuff, but do you like to, to sit back and watch the Olympics? Are you a pretty big uh, viewer when it come, when you have time? I do. You know what? Just to see people um, put so much time in at their craft. And when you have to go with four years, you know, every four years, man, and people work to get to that point, you know, to being like the world's best. And then you can't do nothing but admire that, you know. So I sit down, and last night I watched ping pong. You know, I'm, I watched synchronized swimming. I'm watching it all, you know. So any opportunity that I have to see somebody showcase their God-given ability, you know, I'm always in. I, I'm watching that table tennis, and, Akeem, I, I said to my studio producer last night, if you and me had to play one of these guys, one of these teams, we would not win a point. I mean, we wouldn't win a point. That's how good they are. Did you see that? Like, it was so serious. I've never seen anything like Like, I thought, I, I watched Forrest Gump as a kid. You know what I mean? You see that movie come off, you're like, oh, you got to be kidding. There's no, nobody's playing ping pong like that. Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> and you see these guys, like, fighting for Olympic medals, and, like, this is what they do. And I'm just watching. You got guys 10 feet off the table hitting it. I'm talking about precise. Like, and they had doubles. Like, are you kidding me? Like, the skill that you have to have to play that game, hand-eye coordination, like I'm at all because of it. Yeah. Are, do you, uh, is there a certain type of uh, athlete that you kind of most associate with, whether it's the track guys because you do a lot of running or, or, or do you, you know, or, or, or do you like the swimming? I mean, is there a sport you really, an Olympic sport you really associate with a bit more? You know what, being from the States, you got a lot of guys, you know, who play football, who uh, who ran track, you know. So when the, when, the, when the track and field comes on, you know, everybody talks about, oh, yeah, you know, I was a 100 runner, you know, I was a 200 meter. I used to run a quarter and things like that. So when you watch that, you know, our DBs, we got nice uh, a group chat, you know, that we go on. You, you know, everybody you know, kind of talks about all their past glories and things like that. <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it, you know, it's funny to watch how everybody becomes that, you know, that race crew critic, you know what I mean? Oh, his turnover was too slow or something like that, you know, and oh, the monkey jumped on his back on the bottom half of that 400. So, you know what, man, it's always good to uh, to be able to communicate and, you know, just to, you know, enjoy other people, excel at what they do. All right. Uh, before we get into some of the CFL stuff, i got to ask you about another thing here because maybe there's a good story with this. Maybe there isn't. Before you landed in the CF, uh, CFL, you were a member, and I don't even know for how long, but I'm just going to ask you this question. Mm -hmm. You were a member of the New Orleans Voodoo. Great name uh -huh. and a great logo. What, what was it like being a voodoo? And it <laughs> You know, you know what? It was fun. You know, like I'd never been to New Orleans and to play football, um, arena football in New Orleans. You know what? We're owned by the Saints at the time too, so it was it was fun. It was like basketball on turf. You know, and you know, had the league not folded um, right after that year, I don't think I would have came up to the CFL. You know, but I ended up doing double duty that year, so I played arena football from February to July, and from July to November. I came up to Canada and played in CFL. Was fortunate because I ended up winning Grey Cup that year too. So I was like, "Oh my goodness!" You know, so I played football for like nine months. <laughs> uh, being a defensive back in the uh, Arena League, uh, I mean, most of the games were pretty high scoring. That must have been—I uh, don't know—was that frustrating? Was it tiring sometimes? You know what? As a defensive back in the Arena League, you have to learn how to have tough skin. 
You know, you can't think that, you know, I'm going to just shut somebody down and then I'm going to be this lockdown guy. You have to know how to change the page quick as a defender. You play hard, so that makes a catch. You know, I think, honestly, that is molding me to the player that I've become today because had I not learned how to have that thick skin, you know, when somebody makes a, a catch. I remember one year, we was playing against a guy. He was like Iron Man of the year in the Red League. Played for Dallas. And I'm talking about, I've never got torched like this in my life before. This dude had four touchdowns on me. Just, I just gave it up all day, man. And it was one of those things where you got to come back and you got to come ready to work the next day, you know. But, I mean, it allowed me to understand that, you know what I mean, you you pick up the pieces and you and you go back to the next one, you know. And, 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 and I think I've taken that uh, that demeanor towards the, uh, the football league up here when I came to Canada. Keon Raymond joining us on Inside Sports, plays for the Toronto Argos, formerly, of course, of the Calgary Stampeders. Keon, I, I got to ask you, you uh, you left the uh, Stampeders in February for Toronto. It was uh, publicized that you wrote a letter to Calgarians about changing teams. Why was it important to you to do that? You know, I think the biggest thing, um, me and my family, we uh, we've lived in in Calgary uh, so long we've built the house there um, community family we have church friends there and and when you're so invested in the community like me and my wife and, and my kids are you know like I wasn't just a, a football player I coached you know um, basketball teams I coached the, the little league football teams you know I was always out in there and it was just so accessible um, to the, my friends and family um, in Calgary and and I felt you know a piece of me, you know what I mean, when I left, it, 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 I, it, it was there, you know what I mean, and I want to make sure the fans knew and understood, you know, my heart uh, behind the situation, and, and that's why I titled it, uh, Calgary will always be home, you know, because there's no place like Calgary, and the love that I have for the fans, the city, the people in there, you know what I mean, I'll ever, forever be indebted to them. All right, so first of all, well said on a classy move that you made. You're now with the uh, Toronto Argos. You guys are going along at 4-3 and three in a very uh, tight East Division so far. I mean, mm -hmm. even Montreal at 2-5 and a five is, is hanging right in there, too. Um, mm -hmm. I'll just ask you generally, I mean, where are you guys at? I know, I know when a guy like Ricky Ray goes down, it's tough for, for the whole team, not just the offense. I'm yeah. sure that affects everybody. Mm -hmm. so where are the Argos at right now, do you think? You know, I think I think we're in a good position. I think uh, there's no need for us to do any panicking, um, especially, you know, I've been on, on teams, you know, where, you know, we play and sometimes things don't go the way that you want them to go. But you have to make sure you stay positive and upbeat. You know what I mean? This is a long season. Um, this is an opportunity for us to learn about the guys that we do have, you know. This, all these wins right now is about character, you know. And when you're, you know, your starting quarterback goes down, you're talking about a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? We have to be able to put that trust in the uh, Logan to make sure that he believes that anytime he goes out there, we're going to win the game. And he has to know that, and he has to have that trust um, in us. And we have to have that trust in him, you know, especially being on the defensive side. So, you know, it's just, you know, it, it's a tight race, but I think it's something we, we definitely have to make sure we limit mistakes in, in, in certain areas of the, uh, of the game. All right, here's one for you. You're playing the Eskimos on uh, Saturday. Who uh, who worries you more, Walker or Bowman? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Mike Riley because he just want to give him the ball. <laughs> You know what, man? Like playing against those guys um, last year, and you watch 
you know, you watch those guys play, and, you know, and I kind of, you know, I got a, a sense of record against, you know, watching, playing against Bowman and, and Riley and then Darrell Walker coming on last year. And they're talented, you know, they are, you know what I mean? And, and you have Mike Riley, who's a pivot, you know, forcing it and giving those guys the football. And, and he's going to stand in, he's going to take those hits to give his playmakers the ball. And they do a really good job of making plays for him, you know, and I think that's just the level of trust that those three have with each other and the dependability that they have, you know, and and then Sean uh, on game days. Well, Keon, uh, you've you've represented yourself very well. Uh, You know, you've always been a classy guy. Um, I'm sure Edmonton fans respect you, even though they've never cheered for a team you've played for. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you revel in that. So thank, thank you very much for your time, and uh, yeah, really appreciate that you join us tonight. Well, well, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Good stuff. That is Keon Raymond. Love talking to him. Interesting guy. Certainly, uh, some uh, interesting journey through football, and uh, really still. Uh, a Calgarian, even though he, he now plays for the Toronto Argos, and he mentioned how the uh, Stampeders in Calgary, a big part of his life. Well, I had to ask him, who scares you more? He said Mike Riley. <laughs> he didn't want to pick one of the receivers. That's coming up on Saturday, 12.30 pregame show, 2 o'clock for the kickoff. Eskimos and the Argos can Edmonton get back to uh, 500 and start to put that three-game losing streak a little further behind them another big one oh and then next friday saskatchewan's in town again that's going to be fun okay so the olympic recap women's diving 10 meter platform megan benfito gets a bronze for canada erica weeb gets a gold in wrestling andre de grasse gets a silver in the 200 meters damian warner gets a bronze in decathlon now Canada, four gold, three silver, 11 bronze in Rio for a total of 18. One more to beat the total from London four years ago. The Blue Jays did not play. Detroit beat Boston 4-3, so the Jays are now a game and a half up on Boston in the AL East. Oh, I should mention the golf at the Olympics. Brooke Henderson, two back. She is tied for third with two rounds to go. So maybe uh, another medal there. And don't forget women's soccer bronze medal match tomorrow, Canada against Brazil. Thanks to all our guests tonight, besides Keon Raymond, you heard. From Eskimos defensive lineman Jason Vega, Chris Andrews from the Cougar Boxing Club, Kelsey Braid from TSN, Rob Reeves Reeves from Castrol Raceway. And thanks to everybody who texted in as well. Always fun to interact with you. Uh, I believe Jay Onright's going to be on the show tomorrow. Speaking of small-town Alberta kids who have done well for themselves, he's now with Fox Sports 1 in the United States and a further preview of the Esks Argo Showdown. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. The studio producer is the monster truck and wrestling expert himself, Kellen <laughs> Kennedy. See you tomorrow. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.